WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 8.17, you're tuned to WGNS on this rainy Monday morning. Today, the 6th of December. It's pretty nasty out there, isn't it? Yes, sir. It's a little wet. (laughs) (laughs) And this morning, we're talking about something that dates back. uh, First of all, how many years does Shacklett's photography go back in time? Well, let's see. It was... 35. Actually, Miss... Dad, didn't he start with Mr. Farrell in 1935? And then sometime between 1936, 38, he went out on his own and started his business. In, well, first he was at Granny's house. I think that was how. Yeah, he's processing it upstairs. Yeah, right. And then he went to the James Capoke Hotel. Pretty and cool. that was in 1938, he was right? Still in, he was still in high school when he started. He was 16. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And with us this morning, Gloria Christie and Bill Shacklett, brother and sister and son This is exciting, of, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> it is. Well. I, I haven't been there this close. I mean, we work in the same place, but we ne- we're not this close all the time this is fun i'm gonna enjoy this ah now your dad uh dick shacklett how what what do people refer to him as over the years he's got three names names. yes it's actually richard well four Uh, yeah richard shack claude and dick okay so so any of those names any of them and we normally could tell how long you'd known dad by the name that you called him because if you called him claude that was when you knew him as a boy because in old murfreesboro as he was growing up he had uh well let's see he had three brothers and and a sister and uh if you call him claude if you refer to him as claude then then you knew him a long time you went to high school with him yeah Uh, (laughs) now at one point did he actually have a studio in the old james k polk hotel yes he did that's pretty mm-hmm. neat. Yeah. So uh, did y'all, I, I don't know when that hotel was torn down, but did y'all ever visit that studio there or oh, no. get no. to see he, it? He, he was, that was when he was a boy. Yeah, that okay. was when he was just a boy. Yeah. So yeah. It, do you know about when the hotel was actually torn down? 78. 1978? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was got pictures of it as mm-hmm. it was being torn down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, was it still open up until the mid-70s? Or? I think so, oh, pretty oh, much. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, we have... Uh, fond memories of the James oh, oh, Hotel. They, they used to gather all the churches in the downtown, the Methodist Church and the Baptist Church, the Presbyterian Church, and all would gather at the lobby of the James K. Pope between Sunday school and church. And one somebody from the church, one of the churches, one of the adults would have to come run us back to, so we'd go, yeah. go, go to the worship <laughs> service. Hey, y'all need we'd to be go all church. fellowshipping, you know, all the different <laughs> denominations would get together in the lobby of, of uh, James K. Polk Hotel before, and they'd run us back to church. Now, obviously, I, I've never been in the old james k yeah. Polk hotel but i always imagined it being real grand you know, it was like grand a, mm-hmm. you know a hotel you'd see in downtown chicago the interior mm, of it yeah. being like that yeah. um so what what was it like when you walked in that hotel well i think you had there was that the open space of the lobby and then the two side 
uh, area it was the dining rooms mm-hmm. there, and we Ms. used Ms. to Mississippi. Ha- yeah, and, and actually, Bill and I and Mom and Dad we we lived downtown, and we'd walk to the James Kipok Hotel on Friday night to eat. Remember yeah. that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Some people probably remember that. I don't yeah. know. Maybe we're just that old. <laughs> and it was on the block where SunTrust Bank yes. is today. Yes. Very location. SunTrust is. Yes. How tall of a hotel was it? Like five stories or something? No, no. no it's probably about four. Four. I would think okay. four stories. But it was it was the place back then. I Absolutely. Was. Quite, quite a quite a swanky place. Yeah. <laughs> w- wouldn't it have been neat if they could have saved that, restored yeah. it? I mean, can you imagine that? being downtown today it would have been wonderful and i don't it would have been and actually on the side dad's business was kind of in a i mean and sarah told us it was just really a cubicle um probably you walked inside and turn around and we walked back out (laughs) but aunt sarah was dad's sister and he i think he primarily did maybe a I can't imagine him photographing there as much. Uh, I don't know uh, that I ever talked to him about what the studio actually looked like at that point. I just know that he had a business there in in James K. Well, Aunt Sarah and Uncle Bill him helped him. Those, those are some of the questions, you know, as you, you as older folks pass away, you think, gosh, I wish I'd asked that question. I wish I'd yeah. talked a little bit more about it. But an irony is it just never came up in as much time as my dad and I and we all spent together. Mm. It just never came up to what did it look like. Now, the photography business way back then was a little different than today. You had a lot of photographers who actually had dark rooms. They developed their own mm-hmm. film and everything. Well, and Bill did that, too. Well, See, I, he I started learned. doing lab work for Dad when I was in the yeah. third grade. Oh, neat. <laughs> so that was, uh, you had to get the lab work done before, uh, on Saturdays, we'd get up real early and go down to L&M Cafe or City Cafe or one of the... Uh, restaurants downtown and we'd have breakfast and then if we got all our work done by noon then we'd go fishing at on stones river uh in the afternoon and so that dad got me up real early on saturday mornings and i'd go do lab work for him so how long into the years did shacklet's photography still do their own developing oh my gosh we (laughs) we were still doing it in 89 we took over over the business in 89 and i was still i still had a lab uh, in the studio Mm -hmm. yeah wet lab in the studio where i was doing black and white processing and all of our restoration work was being done uh in black and white or gold tone or what we call brown tone kind of stuff and and, we did uh, those interprints we we did all kinds of most of the artwork was done on an interprint and so uh you'd make a copy do the artwork and then copy it again and uh, and that was all done in a dark room so uh, our dark room now is a a framing (laughs) place now (laughs) but but uh, that's where i used to spend a lot of time in the dark room Uh, but it took a lot of time to do those developing you know of, of the different pictures you took because man it you know, it's it's a, like at least a, what a day process, if not well, longer. You know, the way photography has evolved is that you know we used to take pictures and then we'd send to the lab to have the uh, film processed. Previews would come back, so normally there's a week involved there where the previews would come back, and then the customer would look at them for another week, and then you know we'd send the order uh, back to the lab and then another so sometimes it could take two three sometimes even four weeks for a, a job to actually cycle but lord now we show them on a screen they pick the image and we send it to the lab and they're back in two or three days it's so, wild yeah you know it's so much faster today for sure yeah. well and that's why i don't think folks are, uh it's very difficult to appreciate the the artistry and the, just the science behind photography of those early pioneers and and dad was one of those innovators he was not only a photographer but he also used his 
creativity to uh, in his photography to create art. And, and I don't know if it was, it, they were interchanged all the time. I don't know whether he considered himself a photographer or an artist. He, well, he would I struggle mean, and, with and those another, identities. And another component, he was more a scientist too. He, yes. He, he, evalu- he saw things in uh, the environment that really challenged his, how does that work? You mm-hmm. know, a lot of times people didn't, uh, he was uh, fascinated with music. Uh, never what I would became. He never became what I would consider a, a professional or a, a competent musician. But the whole intricacy and the mathematics of mm-hmm. music just fascinated him, and and sound uh, fascinated him. Doing recordings of of wildlife and birds. He he had. <laughs> well, you know, oh boy! The, the, the we ba- <laughs> when we moved out of the house, he took over Gloria's bedroom and turned it into an audio visual sanctuary. Oh, wow. And he set yeah. up he set up microphones outside in our backyard to where he was recording and actually sent some of these to is it the Carlisle or wherever I can't, Audubon Society well, yeah he yeah. sent recordings and they actually accepted his recordings of bird sounds uh, that he had made in our backyard from Glo- in Gloria's bedroom that he had converted isn't into a that sound. nice that's wild <laughs> yeah. I tell you something else Scott he could call crows. Um, oh. oh, you gotta hear this story. Well, this is so on Thanksgiving, you know, we would uh, have our get ready for Thanksgiving dinner. We would go out and we were going to go crow hunting one day. So we got out and out with this, <laughs> got the guns clean. We were ready to go, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is going to be fun, you know. We get into a cedar thicket, and Dad says, I, I saw some crows over there. Let's start crow hunting. And I thought he was going to pull out a, a crow collar, used like you know, a duck collar or something, but he didn't pull out anything. He just started going. <laughs> with his voice and Scott I am not telling you those crows started circling above our heads we're in a thicket where they can't see us you know on the ground they're circling and all of a sudden he gets into this real rapid fire kind of crow call oh, real fast I can't even do it but it's real fast crow call these crows started diving into the thicket, oh, wow. and I'm—I mean, I'm, they're two feet away from me. And Dad says, "Shoot, Bill, shoot!" And I said, "I can't get the gun between them. I couldn't shoot them because they weren't far enough away for me to get the barrel between me and the crows." It was like Alfred Hitchcock and the birds. It was like the birds. They were diving into the thicket because it sounded like they were in terror. Some, uh, you know, but it was really cool. But he did it with it. Just called. Well, he would do it on the square too. Now, now let's <laughs> go there. <laughs> that was real embarrassing for two teenagers. Oh. You know, your father is. But he could call calling, pigeons and crows. I yes, call <laughs> of course, calling pigeons on the screen wasn't really a hard thing to do. Now, yeah, I'm just, I'm just telling you, wouldn't you be embarrassed if you're, if I would be. Yes. Yeah. Just okay. Well, it Especially was. Especially as a kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There were some embarrassing moments. Dad was not shy, yeah. and he, he did was, not. He, he was, was not embarrassed was. about nothing. That's right. He wasn't. Very, <laughs> Again, with us this morning, Gloria Christie and Bill Shacklett talking about a little history of a, a local business that started right, right here in Murfreesboro yeah. and and that is the business your father started Shacklett's photography and all the pictures that he took and collected over the years at Shacklett's photography and, and you know when you think about you know what he did so many years ago it's mm-hmm. you you also think about things like or people like uh, Ansel Adams who documented right. the national mm-hmm. parks and and your dad documented so much history over the years and I, I know there's one wildlife picture that he took of the rainbow trout strike mm-hmm. uh, that, that's uh, hanging in well a copy of it one of them's at MTCS school but mm-hmm. there's there's uh, 
more to that story about that fish. What? It was the number one wildlife picture in the world. In, in the world. 1952, judged in Lucerne, Switzerland. And Dad, at that time, had a, wildlife, had a studio and a, did wildlife photography in Twin Falls, Idaho, where Gloria and I were born. And my mom's from there. And uh, this was after World War II. And uh, submitted this photograph, Strike, and uh, basically 70-plus images that he took. And there were three images on the Strike. This is before sequence cameras and motor drives and all those things that we have Telephoto now. Telephoto lenses. Well, he yeah. So, yeah. No, he's, he set the camera up in, a, in the water and basically took this five by seven sheet film is what it was taken with, mm -hmm. five by seven sheet film. And uh, just three images on that he, after he taught, shot 70 something. 76. And 76. Pro processed them. There was one where you saw the fish breaking water. Mm -hmm. And then the second one was the tail of the fish going back in the water. And the third picture was strike. strike. And it, it had is the it fly right in the, in the trout's mouth. And, uh, and like I say, it was submitted to um, uh, the World Exhibition of Photography in Lucerne, Switzerland, and won the, won the first prize for so wildlife photography. Who was the one who was doing the fly fishing as he was capturing the well, images? Well, it's actually it's a little contraption, contraption. that he had the, had yeah. the fly just dangling over the water, uh, over the top of the of the. In fact, he's got and a he's picture of that up too. Over with the, oh. uh, the black, he, yeah, uh, focusing thing. cloth, mm -hmm. and uh, and he you know had focused on the on the fly just out of the, out of the water and set up this little construction and it basically one of the main industries in southern idaho is a trout farming and so he was sitting around kind of like city cafe folks do sitting around the table and all the businessmen and bankers and chamber of commerce people were saying well we want to we need some pictures to uh, to promote our area and what we do and they thought of all these different things of course potato farming and the different mm -hmm. things that we're he doing did that too. he did that too and and they're in the they're in the state museum and in, in Boise mm -hmm. but uh, uh, somebody came up with the idea said well wh why don't we use how we're we going to do fi fish the trout farming that we have in in southern Idaho and he said well what about a fish hitting us a, a fly and they all went yeah that's what we need to do and so they just it was kind of a mutually agreed idea and then dad like he did he had this analytical kind of a mind that just figured out how I can do this and came up with strike and it was he it was his it was a one picture of a lifetime at that point in time now with sequence drive and like i said motor drive cameras and stuff it would be a little bit easier to accomplish but quite honestly it, you think it, a, a shutter release a camera it has to be just the most perfect time to be able to sh catch that just moment and 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 dad did it well one of the things though he thought was more I guess more difficult was the ducks in flight. You might want to, the sequencing of those ducks. He, that was actually, he thought more of a luck of a uh, lucky it was, it was a shot. Luck, lucky shot. A lucky there, shot. Uh, ducks in flight. I don't, do you have that in this yeah, exhibit? Yeah, we're going to be in the oh. See, ducks yeah. in flight in the snow taken in 1950, then later colorized 1972. Yeah, it, the other component of this, you know, color photography wasn't kind of yeah. the, the, the norm. Uh, black and white photography was pretty common, and so anything, the, the, what we had, all those black and white images, including strike, the color images that you see of it are oil colored. Uh, it's oil colored on the black and white or, or sepia tone image. But uh, ducks in flight just happened to catch the different stages of a, of a duck landing. And some of them are floating on the water. Some of them are, have their wings forward. Some of them have their wings back. And it just happened to catch in one frame. It caught all of these ducks uh, doing the same thing. And it wasn't like you would see a, a, a kind of like a motor drive where you see all different stages of one duck. They were different ducks mm -hmm. in different 
at different simultaneously at the same in one frame mm-hmm. and, and that was quite an amazing in shot. sequence boom 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 and, yeah. and and photographs like that back then were really difficult to take difficult. i can't even imagine mm-hmm. because you're taking an action shot <laughs> and it's not like you're using a, a digital camera that you have today where you can take like you yeah. were saying like 20 30 you pictures totally, you understand time. this god how, how difficult it, yeah. this must have been and as a you, photographer yourself you got to right? figure out the lighting and you know mm-hmm. how much light to let in mm-hmm. otherwise it's going to ruin the picture if you let too much in so and then you have to go back and 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 carry out that have the creativity to, and the and the skill to to develop it see right. that was all it, it's not just taking it it's it's an enlarger it's the all the you know, so, I don't think people even understand how to develop film anymore. Do they? You know, his pictures, though, from way back then, they, they were pieces of artwork, mm-hmm. but they were technologically advanced in what he did, mm-hmm. even though he wasn't using brand new technology. Mm-mm. He was using what he had at the time. And, and you know, that was daddy. You don't, <laughs> you don't see a lot of action shot pictures that are real clear from the 50s from the 40s you, you just don't see them they're unheard of for the most part because um, they were so difficult to accomplish and just the very getting there the the weight of the equipment pick, pick up a speed graphic camera and yeah, setting it up two in, shots. in the water and, <laughs> you know? and sitting in the water yeah that, you know I, I think that the thing that and, and, and keeping in mind you're having you know you have mouths to feed i I always think that that's amazing too dad used to spend and he and mother before we were born would spend days in southern idaho taking photographs the buck that you'll see on display is one of those pictures that they were actually am i right about that they were covered up the rangers brought brought them in on snow plows you may know that story better than i do well this was a it was done in collaboration with the equivalent of idaho's twra you know that basically uh their group uh, knew of dad's kind of uh, commitment to wildlife photography mm-hmm. and and then helped use their resources to bring him to areas where uh wildlife uh you know so they could record the wildlife literally the in the wilderness in the wilderness and so mm-hmm. anyway he he was they they knew of this uh, herd of deer that were in the particular area and so they went to this area built a blind stayed there for days waiting for this buck there was this beautiful buck that they knew was in the area but couldn't get him to come down. Now the the uh, rest of the herd would come down and feed when they'd bring you know they'd bring the they had to build trust. hay bales and stuff for the for them to come down. But uh, the buck wouldn't he wasn't gonna <laughs> he wasn't he gonna come, come down. So finally, uh, over a period of several days, the buck came down at, at that moment in time. Just one of those strange things. It starts snowing, and the buck comes over to right in front of the blind. Mom stares, and dad are under this. Hey, Baylor. Yeah, well, stay, stares at the at the blind, you know, right where Dad's camera is. Wow. The herd is in the background, and the buck is staring at at, at the blind. Oh, great, and Dad takes a couple. picture as the snow is falling. So it's 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 a really beautiful picture. Well, and, and the, the 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 postscript to that story is when Mama saw that deer coming down, sauntering down into the valley, right where they were. He she said to him later. She to my dad. She said don't you ever shoot another deer (laughs) (laughs) that was a hunter as well yeah Yeah. you are not shooting another deer and so that changed the The only shot you're gonna shoot is a camera camera. (laughs) 
and I don't know that he ever did ever. He again. never did. He did. In he fact, he, he has a crows maybe, but not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so these photo expeditions that he would go mm-hmm. on with your mom, mm-hmm. uh, how old would they have been at the time when they were mm-hmm. shooting yeah. wildlife? Probably thirties, twenties, and thirties. Yeah. Well, that, I was I was born. Mom was twenty six, so it had, had to be. They were under twenty six. Yeah, under twenty six. Uh, yeah. yeah, they were in their twenties. Yeah, can you believe that? I mean, just yeah. it was just phenomenal what those two did. They were quite adventurous. They really were. I called them the first hippies. They really were. I mean, they were out in the wilderness, <laughs> and and people didn't know where they were, and they would say, "When are y'all going to grow up?" Well, they that to them what they were grown up. Yeah. You know, they were doing phenomenal work, and and we have to give mom credit. Good grief, here she was a Idaho girl, and and down you know. Just it was a, an adventure for her too, it, to 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 be a companion and a support for him out in these in these places. That's why, you know, you're right. You look at him, and, it, and these things can be so easily taken now. But then, oh no! And one one of the things that's going to be on display is the nativity at the courthouse. That was his first night photography. No, we right? didn't even mention uh, on display. With tell us more about. When all of his old photographs that he took, when are they going to be on display, and what is that a part of? Well, I, it was really hard to pick. Uh, I know he's really noted for his document, his, uh, his his documentarianism, I guess you might say. But Dad's art, and and I, and I really felt like that that needed to be showcased, particularly that technology of that era, of the era of when you had to hand tint everything with martial oils. That that, that uh, media still exists, and it's very difficult to do. It's a technique. Bill learned the lab, and, Gloria and, and I learned the, the color. color. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it is, so it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it so much. In fact, of course, Daddy had to do everything. Mm-hmm. Mom used to help him with the tinted retouching photo. And retouching Because, see, all that, that you, uh, everything had to be retouched as well. Negatives had to be retouched even before they were printed. So that's what you're, um, we're, we kind of just divided the, the exhibit up into more of his action. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> we start tomorrow night. It's going to be the uh, the exhibits opens and we'll have a reception and it, it's from six to seven at, at Patterson Community Center and it'll be in the uh, Washington Theater right there in the gallery right there in the front. Uh, it will continue through January fourth, so it'll be on display. You'll have some. Op- if you don't get to see the opening, then you'll just you can go over there. You'll have a, a, a chance the whole month of December to see it. So a lot of his photographs, obviously not all of them, will no. be there on display at Patterson Park starting tomorrow. Right. And and there up until January 4th. Mm-hmm. How, how many pictures do you guys have still oh, that he took geez. that are, you know, uh, of Endless. a larger scale, not just little <laughs> small pictures, but, you know, the, the big ones? We have negatives. We have not even scanned. And there's still... So there's some pictures the, you haven't uh, seen not yet. Not even, not even... Yeah, uh, and and that's that's the thing. Uh, we haven't even gotten into the era when he was in White's, in Hobbs, New Mexico, participating in in the development of the A bomb with his photography. We don't have those images. They were, of course, uh, not Back they then, were classified. They, I classified, guess. yes. But we do have wonderful images, desert photography that he did. Um, 
that that was just a phenomenal work I and mean, to get the light and and I know I don't understand it all like Bill does and but I I, I recognize that how hard that must have been for him to get that and particularly uh, under such duress and not really understanding what you were doing he knew he was my sister and I've talked about this that it was a very difficult time. He he was trying to create something, I guess, as an outlet for his his experience because he was he was photographing some pretty horrific things, and then he and mom would go out and photograph nature in the desert and these beautiful images. We still have those, and that, and and he would do uh, USO shots. And I've got we've got a whole series. Of USO shows would come to the air base and stuff in Hobbs. He would, he would photograph yeah. the event and Jam- Jimmy Stewart. and Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. And we've got the Hollywood Dome in the 1940s the with pi- Fra- uh, Sons of the Pioneers. Yes. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. And that stuff hasn't even been printed. Yeah. We so just still have negatives on that. When you look at those war years, World War II, I yeah. guess, that era, mm-hmm. uh, you say he was actually he was able to photograph testing of, of the atomic, atomic bomb mm-hmm. well one of the one of the real uh things that he used to talk about a lot of things he couldn't talk about but the, the thing he did talk about was the uh the first photographs that showed the curvature of the earth yes. and because they would take it at a very high altitude and the first time they had tried to record the curvature of the earth by a high altitude shot and dad went up and and shot those first photographs of course in an area like Hobbs New Mexico where the ground is you can see the horizon it basically they were attempting to show that curvature of the earth and and he was a part of that project he was a part of this photographic uh, group of uh, that was specially sent to uh, Hobbs New Mexico to, to take some of these pictures at that time so so where are those did any of them end up in the hands of the military or they're, they're, all, they're, or? they're all in the military those those images we don't have access some of them we think we recognize as dad. I know my sister and I have kind of looked at the, there's actually annuals that they made in, yeah, in, yeah. in, in from, in, Hobbs, from yeah. Hobbs. And we can sort of, because we know dad's style, we think, hey, that looks like daddy. So, yeah. so well, when it comes to those types of pictures, the military back then, similar to what they do today, they would release certain photos mm-hmm. to Smithsonian, to Life right. Magazine, exactly. to Time Magazine. And it, it would only say, you know, photo property of right. the U.S. US Army. Wouldn't give or, credit to the yeah. photographer, right? So, right. I, you know, his photos very well may be in some of those old magazines, which would be really fascinating well, to learn more about. Yeah, we, we uh, Linda and I have. She's kept up with it better than I have, but yeah, we think we've identified his. We know who. We know him. <laughs> we know what he does. He's he was an artist. He didn't care what he was. You know, he was just gonna. He had a particular style that's recognizable. So, but to document history over the years is a fascinating thing for sure, and and he documented a lot of history. It yes, sounds he like. did. We're, we got to take a short break, but with us this morning, Gloria Christie and Bill Shacklett talking about an upcoming photo exhibit that starts tomorrow at Patterson Park. We'll run through January fourth, mm-hmm. and we'll again highlight that again in just a second. But right now, we're going to take a short break, talking a little photographic history of Shacklett's photography and the late Richard Shacklett. Time right now, 8.45. Stay with us. Again, we will be right back. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Do you know somebody who has moved far away and is missing eating at Demas's? 
Well, Demas's Family Restaurants now offers many of our sauces and some of our food, such as pot roast and soup, to be shipped all across the nation. It's very simple. You just go to DemasFamilyKitchen.com and you can send an order to anybody as a gift all across this nation. You can send an order to anybody. Go to DemasFamilyKitchen.com. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. If your fish tank is looking a little dated, now is the perfect time to freshen it up before hosting holiday events. Here at Animal City, brighten up your living space with an aquarium. Or new background for your reptiles, Animal City would love to help you with your pet needs. And for the pet lover on your list, Animal City gift card makes the perfect gift. This is Amanda from Animal City. Come do business with Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. In retirement, it's all about income, your money, making money, and you're not spending down your principal. That's the way we do it at Retirement Income Solutions. So if you're spending down your principal or your money's not making money, keeping you ahead of inflation, check us out today at risolutions.net, risolutions.net. And make sure to join us Saturdays at noon and Sunday afternoons at 1 for Retirement Income Solutions Radio with Nathan Cox and Lindsay Cotter. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. United States Army, 1967, and I got out in 1969. In this salute, we talked to a veteran who fought in the Vietnam War. My base pay was $81 when I went into the Army, and they said if you go to jump school and jump out of the airplanes, we'll pay you an additional $55. I said, wow, that's what I chose to do. We're talking with Russell Ashton. Of course, it was a lot of good training. I mean, we're talking about getting physically fit. And I'm sure boot camp was a whole lot different back then compared to today. It's a different world. It sure is. You're a veteran who served during a wartime. The average citizen, I don't think they understand what that means. I don't think they understand what things you may have seen. And it's hard to even comprehend when you start to think about it. That's right. I just think about it all the time. No one has ever looked through my eyes and no one has ever worn my boots. I guess that's hard for other people to understand. People here in the great America don't have a clue what's going on in the world. They're just standing around in the dark in broad open daylight. What was life like after you got out of Vietnam and came back home? I immediately went to work due to the fact of how my parents raised me up. I thank God every day for the way that my mother and father raised me up. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Time right now, 848. You're tuned to WGNS on this Monday morning. Gloria Christie and Bill Shacklett with us this morning talking about Shacklett's photography, a little bit about the history of Shacklett's. And, of course, the late Richard Shacklett, who is your dad, who started Shacklett's Photography so many years back. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, off the air, we were talking a little bit about his time during 
the World War II era, and he was in the Army Air Corps, mm-hmm. and his job was what? Just to, to document? Mm-hmm. A, 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 well, he was a journalist, I guess, a journalist. for the uh-huh. Army Air Corps. Yeah, Army. each of the units would have a photo section that basically was charged with either documenting whatever events were happening or, you know, if there were some technical things that were happening, experiments, uh, tr- training, whatever they did, they basically, the photographic section, just did whatever they needed to do. And Dad, uh, that, that became his passion. He was already interested in photography and connected to that, and, and a lot of training was done during that time. A lot of people have gotten training in the military that they've used in private sector. Dad definitely used his military training. How old would he have been when he was in the Army Air Corps? Oh. Let's well, see. see, mom was, t- he would have been 21. Mom was 19, and she was, t- he was 21, so. And he would have been 100 this year. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but he's been gone for now 27 years. 27 right? years. But the stories that he had over those years to tell, I mean, gosh. The- he he would, and I have to say this, too. Mom, we cannot negate the fact that he, she tempered so much of dad's she was a a, a realist let's put it that way she was a great balance for him and they loved each other dearly i on it you know they're they're sure everybody has their faults and they're you know you can't you know create this kind of myth about them they were real people with real struggles and i think that's one thing that i love about them so much they are they were so triumphant in so many areas of their lives not just in photography but just how they live their lives and it's just under the radar not making a big deal about everything right well one of the things that we we try to do uh, when we show the pictures of Mm -hmm. dad and get the opportunity to talk about him is that just remind everyone Mm -hmm. you have a story Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Dad was, uh, I think he would kind of give us a wink to see how we've tried to, to share his story with the, with our community and with mm-hmm. the world around. Because, you know, each of us have a story and it can bring something positive to the world around us mm-hmm. uh, as we reflect upon the good, the bad, and the ugly of our lives, uh, that there's something to celebrate. And when we celebrate the lives of those that have gone before us, uh, I think we not only do them honor, but we show a path for the generations to come Mm -hmm. uh, that your your life is worthy and something's going on don't miss the joy Mm -hmm. don't miss the expression that you have to tell your story Uh, and and we hope that that's an opportunity too whether it's in a book the John Lodel and I did a a book called Murphy's World then and now and it shows pictures of our community Uh, share that story to talk about what life was like when you were a child when you were growing up uh, it's it's a it's a great opportunity for us to uh, uh, to uh, engage the human side of of individuals when we start telling our stories. And Dad's is a wonderful story to tell. And what age were him and your mom whenever they first got married? Well, let's see. That would have been. <laughs> he would, uh, that would right then. Nineteen. 19 20, she was nineteen. Mm-hmm. He was twenty-one. So okay. yeah, yeah. actually young. met in Evergreen, Colorado. He was in New Mexico. Uh, he and was in photographic school. He was in photographic school there and working in photography. Took a took a, a a break to go up to Evergreen, Colorado, which was kind of a Gatlinburg of Colorado. It was a, a resort town. Mom was working as a, a waitress in what they called a tea room, which was basically a, a just a little place for luncheon folks. And uh, all these soldiers came in to get lunch one day, and Dad (laughs) 
saw mother uh, she waited on the table and she told her brother he told his buddies when he saw mom he said i'm going to marry that woman <laughs> he did and, and he took her picture, picture he, he the took first her picture night the first it. night of her sitting in a car i bet she was like wait what why are you taking I, my picture well yeah, the story <laughs> hey there's a story when yeah. she got ready at the end of the night you know <laughs> dad said do you want me to he offered to carry her home and mama always said Northwest people, you want to carry me home? Why did you want to? Why did he want to carry me home? I don't need. I don't need anybody to carry me Mom home. Didn't she didn't understand the logic of the Southern uh, language of being able to carry him home. But Dad wanted to carry Mother home. Well, he took her picture in this car. And he carried that in his wallet his whole life. That's cool. Uh, yeah, we have it in the studio yeah, for that, that story. That picture's at the front of our studio. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and we'll have an, we have a part of one of the panels has that first photograph of her. We have that, so you'll get to see that on display. And when you look at a list of just you know some of the pictures he took over the years, uh, like the Buck, nineteen fifty, Wild Horses Corralled, nineteen forty three, Cattle Country, nineteen fifty, and so on. He has so many pictures of wildlife. I, yeah. I mean, just a ton. And you didn't have a lot of wildlife photographers way back then. No, it was a phenomenal. Uh, we also have photographs of him in, uh, uh, what is that, um, the mountain range out there in Idaho. Where him and the, the field, I've been carrying all this heavy, heavy equipment, tripods, wooden tripods. I mean, you know, it was an, if you wanted to capture those images you had to be a bit of an athlete as well i mean it was and he, he was a, a pack horse really he was a thin guy right yeah he was was he First tall one. no wasn't mm-hmm. tall no. so it, he had all this mm-hmm. extra stuff to carry He's probably with him five seven five eight right bill uh he might have been slightly taller than that but not much <laughs> now, <laughs> now i see another picture here titled the yellow lady slipper 1940 what what is that it's a flower <laughs> well he was so into wildflowers now I, now I, this is a story he he would take me i told him daddy i i have to do a wildflower book for my fifth grade class and he said well i know all of them so he'd take he took me out to and he knew all of them he knew and you talk about the birds oh, he knew goodness. he could identify birds by the sound of their tweeting and we never or see a silhouette of a bird in the sky and tell me what bird, kind of bird it was or see a wildflower a and he wildflower knew what that was he knew what the fire that's a part was. of his story and i mean when you the lady sip slipper and the 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 flower he just loved wildflowers and it, you he made them look just grand in because he had to photograph them and tint them it's as well to get the 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 actual image was not in color that's so you know you didn't have google to turn to to (laughs) decipher which flower you're looking at now but now let's let's go back to his the beginning of his story i guess i I, what what i have written down here is on july of 1935 richard claude shacklett walked Mm -hmm. into leo Leo farrell's photography Mm -hmm. shop and asked if there's anything he could do so first of all Who's Leo Farrell and where was his photography shot back well, then? Well, you see saw a lot of his images. They were, um, he was one of the, I guess, Bill, probably the kind of a transition between glass plates and acetate, right? Mm-hmm. He, and Dad was so fascinated with photography. He wanted to do something to learn about it. So Leo 
took him under his wing, right? Mm-hmm. The Smothermans. This yeah. is, it was his grandfather's. Nelson's. It's Nelson's, Nelson's grandfather. Grandfather. Okay. grandfather. So, so Leo Farrell was a photographer here in, in town. Murphy's town. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the first places where your dad, Richard Shacklett, worked at yeah, a job yeah he wrote he processed roll film right bill and mm-hmm. this and and he was present for photographs like apple john uncle dave macon he was present when those people those photographs were iconic photographs were made and mr farrell was a great great teacher yeah in the same era leo farrell would have been in, maybe a little bit after but right around the lee lively uh, and, and mr lively's mm-hmm. uh, the they were competitors they, yeah they were at the same uh, same time frame and then by age 16 your dad richard was went off on documenting his rutherford county's yeah. history yeah. and then from there yeah history all over the country with wildlife and more I don't think he really said, "Oh, I'm going to photo. I'm going to be a, doc- no, a documentarian." He just loved it. No, he just wanted to take a picture. You know, I mean, it was not in some sort of contrived or you know, like we do now. We have to have some kind of intention. Why are we doing something? No, no, Daddy just did it because he wanted to, and and th- that picture of us, <laughs> all of us walking, and that was his favorite picture of all of us in the '60s when all the family. Yeah, tell about that story. Oh, That's all. Oh You're well, <laughs> we have like a minute and a half. Left. Oh, it's so funny that we kept going over and over because he just got he he just got a time release for his camera. It was brand new, that new technology, mm-hmm. and so he took that. He was taking pictures of people walking towards the camera, and so we did this on uh, Easter, Easter and uh, we took a picture of our whole family. I think it's in the exhibit. You yeah, can't have a chance mm-hmm. to see it, but it's walking across our front yard with our dog, Dobie, <laughs> was, and we're all in step walking across the yard Dobie walking too. towards the camera. <laughs> the, the dog's in the picture, too, and it's a, kind of a snapshot of the 60s because we look like, the, uh, I guess, the epitome of a 60s Beaver, family. Cleaver, but no, no, we were not. <laughs> Let's funny. clarify that. We weren't but we sure appreciate appreciate you letting us come and talk about dad and and again the exhibit starts tomorrow at patterson park community center here in murfreesboro then runs up till january 4th Mm -hmm. and there's going to be a little reception 6 to 7 p.m tomorrow night december 7th Mm -hmm. patterson park all right well thank you so much for joining us this morning thank you time right now 8 59 it's almost nine o'clock stay with us local news and a look at news from across the country of cbs comes your way next. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. 